Good morning. Make sure this is on. You guys can hear me? All right. Wow. I'm excited. I'm excited about today. Um, wow. You know, um, I asked... Uh, I asked them in the sound booth to put those lyrics back up for that song that we just sang. And you know, it's, it's really amazing how the Lord um, just works. You know, Sarah had no idea what I was going to share this morning, but you know, this song kind of encapsul- encapsulates it. It's really amazing. And it's, um, you know, You'll understand more as we, we get going, but, you know, this is the heart, this is the mindset that we need as believers that have, you know, that just dying to ourselves and living for Christ, you know, on a daily basis, you know, not occasionally, not once in a while, but all the time. So uh, let's pray and get into uh, the text is um, going to be uh, Acts 3 and 4. And I know you guys think that I probably live in the book of Acts, but, you know, I do. I'm actually, I read the book of Acts in different versions, so um, I'm actually at this point in the New American Standard Bible, so that's what I'll be using today. But um, the text in that song really, really kind of encapsulates the message today. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. For today, for giving us this day, and Lord, we, uh, we thank you for um, just being an active part of it. Thank you for the worship. Uh, thank you, Lord, for inhabiting the sanctuary with your presence as we worship you. And now, Lord, just um, anoint your word, and I pray, God, that um, you would challenge us and stretch us, Lord, as we uh, look into your word. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So really, this morning isn't really about what I have to say. Um, it's really a, rem- it's a reminder of what Jesus has said to us um, in his word and what, what his word teaches us. So the first reminder is that when we got saved, that wasn't the end, right? As in, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, so that's great, and life goes on. Um, you know, that's not, um, yeah, I mean, it's a nice thought, but you can't let that reality, they can't let that thought linger too much. Um, the reality is that our salvation, getting saved, is just the beginning, right? It's at that point where the Lord says to, to us, all right, now we can move forward in what I have for you to do. You know, I have plans for you. I have a work for you to do. And I thought about this. It might be a corny kind of a, an example, but I was thinking of, you know, here you get this really cushy job, awesome office, corner, you know, view of uh, Manhattan or whatever. You know, they give you a car, they give you assistance, and then you show up to work and you don't do anything. And sometimes I think that that's what salvation, you know, we, we are just so excited about getting saved then we kind of get settled in, but then we forget that God's called us to do something. You know, not just to come to church on Sundays and Thursdays, but to actually uh, be a light out into the community. And God is calling us out of the mindset to go along to get along. And we'll see that in the text today, that that was not an option in the early church. 
So what's happened to the church? You know, for years, the church really, when I was little, it seemed like the church, when I, when I was little, that was a while ago, it seemed like the church was the focal point of the community. If you drive through some of the older towns and some of the villages, you know, if you go out um, a ways from Rochester and you get into like these little places like Nunday or things like that, and you see the churches are right in the center of the town. They were like the focal point. Of, of the community. And, you know, it's, it seems as though that the church has been swept away with the culture, that the church has become passive and silent. I'm going to, I just want to, just to give you an idea of what I think and I know really that the impact the church should have. You don't have to turn there, I'll read it to you. In First Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul says this um, about the church in Thessalonica in verses 6 through 8. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word with much tribulation and with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Now, Thessalonica, I mean, that's if you could picture the map, it's here, but, you know, it's talking about the whole region outside of that city, okay? So, you become an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. The witness of this church was so powerful and spread so far that Paul is saying we didn't even have a need to speak. The church was a light in that, that whole region. People, it was a main thoroughfare to get to other parts from Asia to Europe. As people went through um, Thessalonica, the church was so vibrant and so real that it was just so obvious. And it, the word of the Lord just spread. Um, you know, that's an awesome picture of the church. So this morning I'm going to make some references to um, a few quotes that I've uh, come across over the past few months. Um, Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to speak, not to speak is to speak and not to act is to act. God will not hold us guiltless. The line between good and evil runs directly through the human heart. That means your heart and my heart. And this um, isn't a quote, it's just a thought. We have two freedoms, freedom in Christ and freedom of speech. And we should never take either one of those for granted. So church, we need to ask ourselves some questions. Have we been silent in the face of evil? You know, those are questions that you have to answer. Evil is where it is today, uh, partly because I think I know for certain that um, we have the mindset that, you know, I'm not going to speak up yet. You know, this I'm not going to get into, you know, I'm not going to get into this. You know, I'm going to let somebody else fight this battle. Um, You know, if we wait long enough, this will just all go away. You know, we can't do that. We can't do that. Saints, that's our old nature. When we compromise and we don't want to 
um, take a stand for the Lord. Um, that's our old human nature. And you know, it's that broken, sinful old nature that spits in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, and the good news is that we're dead to that old nature and we have to live in that. In Romans 6.11, Paul says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves dead, indeed the sin, but alive to, to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're dead to, the, to sin. We're dead to that old nature. Don't let it creep in and start to dictate how you should live your life. So here's my request. And um, this was the Lord's request to me, and I'm going to share it with you. Something to go into the new year with. Something to make a daily application with. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 38. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him, of course, Jesus, a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. For this is the first and great commandment. Guys, this isn't a passive love. This is a sacrificial love, agape love. Okay, it's, not the, it's the kind of love that it's all in. It's all or nothing. It's laying our lives down for the cause of Christ. Not living for ourselves, but dying to ourselves and living for him. That's what God has called us, the church, too. So reality check. What's, what's going on in your heart, in your mind, your thoughts? Well, Paul gives us some clarity on what should be in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So do we live our lives out as though we love God, as though we believe his word? You know, make loving God your goal, your top priority, not just for the new year, but for every day of the new year. Not once in a while, but every day. Yet once you do that, everything's going to fall into place. Matthew 6.33 tells us, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, I have a weird way of studying. You know, most people like it quiet. And, but I like to listen to worship music and just kind of read. So there's this song that I listen to as I'm studying. And it's really, um, really speaks a lot to where I think um, the church should be. And it's what I want to get to in, um, in, in Acts. But here's a few of the lyrics. The, the, the song is here again. But it says, can't go back to the beginning, can't control what tomorrow will bring. But I know here in the middle is the place where you promised to be. I'm not enough unless you come. 
Will you meet me here again? Because all I want is all you are. So in Acts chapters 3 and 4, and we probably won't finish all, you know, both of those chapters, but that's what living in the middle looks like. Okay, it's not what God has done. And think about what God has done up to this point in the book of Acts. Jesus has gotten the apostles on track, right? He's ascended into glory. And the angel, as he's going up, tells them that, you know, he's, he's coming back. So, you know, there was a lot covered. But, you know, they couldn't stay in Jerusalem and just live in Pentecost. As, as awesome as it was, um, you know, they couldn't do it. They tried, right? And then in Acts chapter 7, there was some persecution that, you know, because God wanted them out into the world, right? He wanted the church to go out. So he sends them out. And they... And, you know, they really couldn't look to the future and see how the Lord was going to come back or just get focused on that. They had, to, they, had to be, they had to live in the middle. They had to live in the here and now. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. And Acts 1.8 gives us an idea, really, of what the church is called to do. It says, but you have received power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Church, that's happened. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So with that said, I really believe that church, we need to tap in to what the Lord is doing today. You know, God's, you know, God is at work. God is at work, and God has called us to, um, to be a voice, to be a light. And, it, and it's different for all of us. The, the mission is still the same, but, you know, he calls us to different places to accomplish that. It might be where you work. It might be where you work out. It could be almost anywhere. But we still need to be that voice. It's the book of Acts. It, it's the place where we, we get reminded and challenged. It's where we feel and, and see the life of God pulsating in the church and through the believers in the church. And that's what I want to look at this morning. You know, right, just to give you a little context, and you guys are familiar with the book of Acts, hopefully. Chapter 2 ends, the church is excited. Um, you know, people are getting saved. Um, you know, there's everybody's meeting everybody's needs. I mean, it's really, um, the fellowship is great. But now, starting in Acts chapter 3, they, the church, has faced called to face the world as it is. And saints, this is the business of the church. You know, ministering to the world as it is. Just stepping out into the world and ministering to the world as it is. Now, Christianity shouldn't be something that's abstract and intellectual. Christianity, our Christian faith, deals with life and living. And it is the most revolutionary power the world has ever known. And guys, don't underestimate that. Don't underestimate the word of God and what God is telling us. You know, when you think of when you when you think of what we have as believers, we should be like running out the door, excited, on fire for what God has called us to do. 
you know, we look around, we watch the news, we see what's happening, and, you know, sometimes it, it bums us out or whatever. But you know what, God, you know, God is, we're the solution. It is, see, the world doesn't have a political problem or issues. It has a spiritual issue. It's all about getting back to Christ. It's all about getting back to the word of God. And guess what? That's what we're called to do. And, you know, regardless of what's happening out there, and that's what we're going to look at in the book of Acts, chapter 3. Now, I'll, I'll keep reminding you of some of those quotes, but one thing that I, I want you to think about, okay, and think about this tomorrow morning when the alarm goes off. Did you, do, you, do you think that Peter and John went to bed in chapter 2 and thought, Gee, when we get up tomorrow morning, on the way to prayer, we're going to pray for the lame guy who's been there for 40 years almost. And because of that, 5,000 people are going to get saved, and we're going to get threatened by the religious leaders. No, none of that stuff probably crossed their mind, right? Not really. I mean, it doesn't seem like it would. But you know what? They got up that morning with the promise that God made to them that he would meet them in the middle. He would meet them in that day. He would be with them. He would lead them. He would guide them. And he would use them. And they didn't understand maybe in their heart what all of that meant, like we don't, right? But I want to challenge you tomorrow morning, get up expecting that God's going to do something through your life. God is going to use you to make a difference. And you know what? When you start thinking that way, you really start living in the first century church. Because you know what? That's, their love for God drove away any fear or apprehension or anything they had. They didn't think of well, if I, if I say this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be arrested, or if I say this, somebody's going to call me a, a name. No, they just love God so much. Their heart was just overflowing with their love for the Lord, and they knew what God had called them to do. That They, they just went out and did it. Church, that's what we need to do today. We have to stop, you know, we need to stop whatever we're doing that's preventing us from being that light. So let's read a little bit through Acts. We'll get, um, let's see how far we get. Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. So they're going to the temple. You know, Pentecost had just happened. So they're, they're going to kind of wean themselves off going to the temple for prayer because there's going to be churches developed, home churches. But for now, they're still doing that. So they're going uh, to the temple for the hour of prayer. And a man who, was, who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order, order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. You know, I look at this lame man as, as the world, you know, just lame, just, you know, no hope. You know, here's this guy, he's been going there for 40 years, well, 40 years, ever, you know, just to, to beg for money, to make a living. And that's, that was his life, and he accepted it. 
his life's going to change. <laughs> when Peter and John about to go to the temple, he began to ask to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. Now, Peter could have made a choice, right? He has to make a choice. God has put something on his heart, obviously, with this man. Now, he has a choice. Now, he could, um, he could not act, which would be to act, right, and just walk right by him again. Or he could, or he could, get, you know, he could just be obedient to that prompting that the Lord put on his heart, because he knew that God was going to meet him there. God was an active part of his day. So Peter tells him, "Look at us." Now Peter's not trying to get everybody's attention. He just wants this guy's attention. Okay, and he began to give him his attention, expecting expecting to receive something from him. He's expecting to receive some money, you know, and he's, he's going to get a gift far better than money, right? He's going to give something that the world could never give him. And Peter and John realize that they have what he needs. So, but Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. And it's just amazing. Look at what happens when you, you follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your life. You wake up expecting God to do something. And then you just, you just go, with the, you go with the flow. You go with the plan. Look what happens. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I know that if this guy has been lame since birth, so nothing, none of that stuff's functional or, I mean, but in an instant, he's made whole. In an instant. You know, saints, you know, we, we have a message that in an instant can make a person whole. We just have to be willing to share it. We just have to be willing to share it. Peter and John were on board, right? They were excited. They knew that God had, what God had called them to do. And we know that too. And, and they weren't afraid to say something. You know, they're in the temple. There's all these people around. They weren't inhibited because they knew what this man needed to be made whole was Jesus Christ. He, they knew that. And it, so it's just amazing. So this guy, uh, with a leap, you know, you got to read this stuff, and it's got to just bring such a, an excitement to your heart to just see the power of God in a man's life and to think that this is what God has called us to do. With a leap, he stood up, he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, with John and Peter, Walking and leaping and praising God. Uh, amazing, amazing. They woke up one day, these guys, and just were going to the temple to pray like they always did. But God showed up. You know, you know, it, we, you know guys, our lives, we don't have ho-hum, you know, oh, it's just another day. We have no idea what God is going to do. We just have to be open to it. And you know what? 
don't, be, don't let the world intimidate you about your faith or how it's antiquated or, oh, you really believe that. You know, I'll t- we, this book this is the answer. This book, this, this is life. This is life. Look what it did in this lame man's life. And we're going to see, and obviously you've read the book, the impact that sharing the word of God, the Holy Spirit just ministering through the word, what it it has accomplished throughout history. So all the people saw him walking and praising God. Now keep in mind, they don't don't have any idea what happened yet because now he's going into the temple. So now things are going to unfold and it's really going to get interesting. Verse 10, it says, and they, were walk- and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple in Begams. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You know, don't underestimate the witness and the power of a changed life. You know, every one of you in this room if you're born again, your life is a testimony. Your life is a witness. You know, these guys, they knew, they knew that he was the, the man that sat at the temple day after day. They walked by him day after day, week after week. And here he is now, leaping and praising the Lord, walking. I mean, it's, it's, it's just mind-boggling to think. And for us to think that this is the way God operates, the way God operates. And while he, was cli- while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. Now, Peter, has an op- he has another choice here, right? He can either keep silent, not say anything. He could even maybe take the credit for what happened. But I love the way... Peter takes the situation and gives, gives Jesus all the glory and points these folks to Jesus. And it's interesting, verses 12 through 26 of chapter 3 are one approach to the way Peter deals with this crowd. When we get to Acts chapter 4, when he's dealing with the religious leaders, it's almost like a whole different tone. Right, so, um, so as we go through this, you'll see it. And I, I thought that, you know, it's pretty interesting. You know, it, depending on who you're talking to or who you're sharing the gospel with, the Lord will give you the words. The, he'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the insight that you need. You know, and it's just interesting to see this. And, you know, I want to keep driving this point home to you guys. Look, this is, you know... Peter and John, and they were apostles. I mean, I, I understand the notoriety they have because, you know, they wrote part of the Bible, they're in it, they walked with Jesus. But you need to understand that they were filled with the Holy Spirit just like we were. All of the giftings, everything that they needed and relied on to do what they're doing, what we're reading about, you have. You have that. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You love the Lord. You know, don't, you know, when I first got saved, I used to read that and think, wow, that's really cool, you know. Now I read it and just say, Lord, man, let this happen. 
You know, I, this is what the church needs. You know, the church needs not so much to have these miracles happen, which would be great if they did. We're not going to complain about that. But, you know, it's really cool. The church needs a backbone. The church needs some intestinal fortitude to stand up to the world and say, hey, wait a minute. No, you're wrong, right? Your approach to dealing with these certain issues is wrong. You know, there, there's another way, and here it is. It's the word of God. And, you know, we don't have to be belligerent about it or angry about it. You know what? And you're going to see. Let's, here, let's read a little further. Here's Peter addressing the crowd. And this is what speaking the truth in love looks like. And at the end of it, he's going to give them the solution to the dilemma that they have. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. And he's going to, Peter is going to use the name Jesus quite a bit. Okay, and that's really awesome. The one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. Remember the crowd when Pilate said, do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? These guys were saying, give us Barabbas, right? Okay, these are the people that, Paul's talk, that Peter's talking to. But you disowned the holy and righteous one. I love the, the names that Peter gives to the Lord. And ask for a murderer to be granted to you. Um, but, put, but put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I know that you did that you that you acted in ignorance, just as your fathers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that as Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore, repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from you in the presence of the Lord. Peter extends the grace to these folks. You know, he, he gives them the solution. He presents them with the facts. Hey, look, this is what happened. This is what you did. This is what you were a part of. But guess what? God is extending his grace to you. God is extending forgiveness. You did it in ignorance. Now, therefore, repent that your sins might be wiped away. The message hasn't changed. And look at the love and look at the grace that Peter is giving these guys. He, sure, he's confronting them with the reality of what happened, but he doesn't leave them there. He gives them the solution, the way out, the way to Christ. And that's the message that we have. Now, and then he, from verses 20 to the end of the chapter, you know, he, he talks about, um, some of, you know, what Moses, some of the prophets had said. And while he's doing this, let's jump down to chapter 4. 
And now we're going to look at a different group of people. The guys we're going to read about now were the folks that planned the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus. The religious leaders, the ones who despised Christ, who thought that, you know, he was, a, you know, a fraud. So as verse 4, chapter 1 And this is, this is really where I, you, I, I really, it's just so amazing how Peter and John are just, you know, just so matter of fact about their relationship with the Lord. So it says, let's, let's read it. As they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed uh, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they had laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. So they, it got to the point where they couldn't really bring them before everybody. Um, you know, it wouldn't have been expedient. So they put them in custody, excuse me, over, overnight. But verse 4 is really, um, I love how Luke just throws this in there. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. That's the men. So Peter and John wake up that morning, and, you know, I don't think it crossed their mind that thousands of people were going to get saved that afternoon or that next day. It's just amazing. You never know what God's going to do. So, you know, isn't it better to live in the expectancy of that and to think, okay, Lord, what are you going to do? I know I got this going on. I know this is happening. We got this, you know, there's, sure, we deal with life. But you know what? We have a choice. We can make a choice on what we want to focus on. You know, that's why we pray, right? That's why we cast all our cares on him because he cares. We don't, have to care, we don't have to carry the burdens of life around with us. We can give them to the Lord and, and, and live a little bit more expectant to see what he could do in and through our lives. So, you know, Peter and John are in jail. The next day, verse 5, um, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem, and Anus, the high priest, was there and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. So I guess it, you know, I, I don't know how many um, guys that was. I don't know how big the, the group was, but they bring uh, Peter and John out of uh, custody, and it says in verse 7, and they place them in the center or in the midst of them. And, you know, I was thinking about this, and um, this is something that you can pray about being a part of. But, you know, I, I could relate to how they feel, because I've been going to school board meetings. And so you get three minutes to kind of voice your opinion or some thoughts. And sitting at that desk with the school board here and then the school administration here, I can almost see what how Peter and John felt because, you know, I'm there sharing Genesis and how it relates to gender identity. 
And they're looking at me like these guys must have looked at Peter and John and said, you know, this guy's, you know, really out there, right? So it's, and you know what? If, um, if you're interested in going to one, you, you just look online and, and show up because, um, you know, it would be great for the church to, to be a presence in uh, these meetings to let the community know that you support them and as well as to let the board know and the administration know that um, you're listening and um, you're concerned about what they're teaching kids and what they should be teaching kids. So just a thought, I could, you know, find me later and I could fill you in on some of that. But, you know, I could relate to, here they are, they're, they're um, you know, they're sitting there in the center of these religious leaders and uh, they're going <laughs> to... It's 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 called it's 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 awesome to think that how after what has just happened that these religious leaders would think that Peter and John are going to agree with what they're saying, but here here again though here's you know here's Peter, and you know it's almost like he must have heard that quote: "Silence in the face of evil is itself evil." When we're presented with evil or facing evil, if we don't say anything, if we don't speak up, you know, that's itself, that in itself is evil. We need to speak up, church. We need to speak up. We need to be present in what's going on in our community. Look at what we, and here it is right here. I mean, you don't, there's not a better example, I don't think, that we could find. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man had been made well, let it be known to all, to you, to all of you, and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. Peter's not intimidated about who they are or what they represent because he knows who's, he's, who's his and, you know, that he's God's and who he represents. And what Peter's doing now is he's turning, he's supposed to be on trial here, but he's not. They're on trial. He's like kind of flipped the script you know, and they're not, you know, they're going to tell him what they think, but he's going to tell them what they need to hear and what they missed out on. And, you know, it's no different for us at work. You know, it's no different for if you take three minutes to speak at a school board meeting to present a biblical principle. It's no different, you know, because they could think whatever they want about what you're saying. But we know it's the truth. It's the word of God. The word doesn't go out void. It always accomplishes that purpose for which it was sent. We just need to be the voice. We just need to accept the challenge, to accept the call that God has put on our lives to get into the, to, to get into the I hate to say it, but get into the fight. Get into the battle. Get into, be a voice. You know, because if you don't, I'm telling you, if you don't, Nothing's going to change. I know that sounds kind of awful. But, you know, it's, it, you know we're, we're, we're called to, to be a voice to bring about that change. And look at, 
it's just amazing the mindset. If you're looking for the mindset that you need, here it is. Verse 11. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And I love this. I love this. I love this. I shared this verse with Dr. Putman. He's the, he's the actual superintendent of the Penfield Schools. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among you by men, which we must be saved. And now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were educated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. People know that there is a difference in you. People sense the difference because, you know, they just see Christ in you. And, it, you know, when he says uneducated and unlearned or untrained men, they, what, really what, what is meant there is they just didn't go to the rabbinical schools. They weren't formally trained like that. But what they did recognize is they had been with Jesus. You know, and, boy, you want, you want people to see the Christ in you, the Christ in you. So seeing the men who had been, seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? I mean, think about this. Wouldn't it be so cool to be like, um, you know, in a public meeting where you get an opportunity to speak and, they, you know, you get up there and you, you know, you just share the truth. You know, you just present some biblical principles and they say, hey, can you just step out of the room for a minute? You know, and they're thinking of, you know, how can we get these guys to just shut up and go away? And basically, you know, that's what, that's what the world wants to do today. They want you to shut up and go away. They want you to believe that men can have babies. They want you to believe things that are totally so anti-God. And, you know, and they're just telling you to just be quiet. And what Peter and John are telling the religious leaders here is, no, we can't be quiet. Because we have a mandate from God. You know, we can't be quiet. We can't just allow that to happen. So they're going to, they're, they're conferring, you know, and they're saying to, okay, what shall we do with these men? They don't know what to do. They're confronted with the reality that God is real. This man who has been begging for years at the temple is standing in the temple now, praising God and walking around, leaping. They say, for, that, for the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. And isn't it sad that they realize they can't deny it, but they're going to deny it? And they're going to want the, the, the apostles to deny it? So... But so it will not um, spread any further among the people. Let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them. Oh, they commanded them. Not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And here it is, guys. You guys have read it before, but wow. Verse 13. 
You know, that silence in the face of evil is evil itself. You know, to speak, not to speak is not to speak. Not to act is, is not to act. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather to, to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. You know, there's no, they, there is no intimidation that they could have done to silence Peter or John. And you know what? We know they both were martyred. Well, Peter, for sure. You know, so th- there was nothing that they can do to silence them. The only, the only way they could silence them was to martyr them. And when they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them. You know, so, and it's so true today, they couldn't find ways to punish the church, so now they just passed legislation to punish the church. But you know what? That still isn't a reason for the church to keep silent. Because they all glorified God for what had happened. And these men, or the man, was more than 40 years old, whom this miracle of healing um, had been performed. So I want to just close with the last few verses that I want to read to you are when they get back to the rest of the church. It's in verse 23. And when they had... When they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of David and our fathers, and they they just, you know, they continue to just praise God for it. And it's, let me, it's, you know, so for truly, verse 27, for truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bond servants may speak with all speak your word with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place, even through the name of your servant Jesus. And when they had prayed in the place where they had gathered together, was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. It's awesome. What a, what a response to get together and pray and to thank God for that and to, just to thank God that, that God would use them. God hasn't changed. Hebrews Thirteen eight says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to leave you with a thought, a few of them.
The Lord heard his children then. The Lord hears his children now. The Lord answered their prayers back then. He will answer our prayers now. God provided then, and God is providing now. They moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. We, as the church, can move in the power of the Holy Spirit. Saints, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same God who spoke and worked through the hearts of Peter and John in the early church, throughout church history, and it's the same God that we serve today. And you know what? Why do we expect different results? Why don't we just expect the results that they expected and that they got? So I say church for, you know, who knows? 2023 might last till the end of the service. Who knows? The Lord might come back. But my thought is, we need to accept the challenge, the call um, that God still has on the church to be a voice, to be a light. Not to, um, not to cave in to the pressure, not to cave in to whatever cancel culture or any of that. You know, just a reminder, guys, that, you know, the word of God is the word of God. Jesus is, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's, let's expect God to do what he promised to do. Right? He's not, a, he's not a man that he should lie. And, um, you know, pray, pray that, you know, God would, would speak to your heart. Get, just ask God, where, where do you want me plugged in? You know, this church is in Penfield. So th- there's a community here. There's, I'm sure there's different kind of, you know, outreaches, uh, food cupboards, things like that. Pray about it. Lord, where, where can I get plugged into this community where I could be a light? Where can, you know, I've already sent, I've sent out one letter so far to one church. I'm trying to um, just see where the churches are at in Penfield. Um, you know, to, what can we do as a, as a church? You know, we're, we're one church in Penfield. There's, there's other churches in Penfield that have the same biblical view that we have. Um, Man, there's just so much that, that we can be doing outside of these walls. So I challenge you, pray. Ask the Lord, what can I do? What can I do to be a light? What can I do to be a voice? And you'll be amazed at what God can do, what, he, you know, what he'll have you do. And don't, you know, don't put any limitations on it. That's the fun part. Just, say, just leave it out there. Okay, Lord, you know, here I am. What do you want me to do? Just let me know. And he will. You know, because I prayed that prayer. And so I've been getting plugged into the school board meetings. I've been going. There's actually, there's actually a group of parents in Penfield, about 150 of them, that are really concerned about what's being taught in the schools. I didn't know that until I started to get plugged in. 
And, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on. And you can ask Pastor Richard, the first school board meeting that we went to, when people found out that we were pastors from a church and that we were actually at a school board meeting and concerned about what was going on, they, they were elated. They said, finally, the church is here. Now, that's, you know, that's not, you know, at first I was a little ashamed of that, right? I mean, it's good. I mean, I, I appreciate the excitement. But you know what? It really hurt me at first because really, Lord, where have we been? Where have we been? You know, and it, might, it could be totally something different for you. But the point I'm trying to make is, you know, we're, we're, God has called us out. And if we say that we love God... If we say that we love God and that, you know, that we're his, then you know what? We, we need to follow through with that because it's more than the cushy office in the corner, you know, with all the amenities. You know, we get saved. God's called us to do something. We need to be faithful to do it. Simple as that, right? Right? All right. You got it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for who you are, and, and Lord, um, boy, God, think what you went through to save us. You know, just giving uh, your only begotten son, Jesus, that you stepped out of glory to redeem us, to buy us back. And um, you've called us for a purpose, to be a light. You told us to go out into the world and to be a light, to share the gospel. And However that translates for each one of us in here, God, I pray that you would let us know that as we um, just seek your guidance, your direction. And Lord, we know, we just looked at it, that you're faithful. You know, you call, when you call us, you provide. There's, you know, there's just nothing that you won't do, Lord, to see um, your will accomplished. So God, help us um, in those areas where our faith might be weak. You know, I just think of that man whose son got healed and said, Lord, I believe, just help my unbelief, Lord, and help us in those areas that we would need that just a little bit more faith. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us into a new year. I pray, God, that it would be a, a year, uh, as long as you tarry, that it would be a year of excitement, um, a joy, just serving you. Um, you know, just getting in the trenches, whatever that translates into each one of our lives, God. And we're just excited to see what you're going to do in and through us, Lord. So we praise you. We thank you for the rest of our day. Thank you for the time of fellowship, Lord, afterwards. And God, that you would just be glorified uh, through our lives as we live it out for you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you guys.